This morning, um, I want to talk to you about good news. You may hear that word good news and assume as you hear it that um, not sure what I was doing. That good news must imply some type of twisted joke in this season. Right? You may be wondering, good news, that sounds more like fake news. How can there be good news in a season like this? And maybe some of you, you're you're just in the midst of this coronavirus, you're just longing to see it return to normal in some way. You're hoping and praying, and for you, normal may look something like a job, just having a job or back to your job. Or for some of you, it normal looks like stable income and reliable income to know what it looks like and not maybe having to take time away or unemployment or just not sure. For others of you, normal implies seeing grandparents again or, or maybe spending time with other family members that you haven't seen in a while. For some of you, normal means coming back and being able to gather in this building here with other believers and to worship and to pray together and encourage and love on each other. For some of you, normal looks like going back to a favorite restaurant and just enjoying a meal together again with people you care about. For others of you, uh, when you think about normal, you think about being able to enter a, ma- enter a store without having to worry about putting a mask on or stand behind a certain line. Some of you, when you think about normal, you think, when will Amazon Prime shipping be prime today again, right? I mean, you just have all these different thoughts like, what will be normal? And I, I just want to remind us today that what we think about as being normal is still under the curse. You see, our, our spiritual heritage, our spiritual family in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, they have a hope of something greater. They, they, they were journeying to the promised land, looking forward to what was to come. But it says that they longed for something more. They longed for a heavenly city whose builder was God. They longed for something more than even the greatest promised land that this earth could provide. And so I want to remind you and set before you today that there is good news and something that is greater than this world. There is a hope beyond the coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever you may be dealing with right now in your life. There is hope in the name of Jesus Christ. And we find that. Now listen, guys, I, I want deliverance from this, but there's something more. And maybe you find yourself longing for that today. Maybe it brought you to this to view this video or listen to this podcast, or it just maybe you're searching today for something more in the midst of this. I want to let you know today that there's there's something greater. And listen, even though we're a long way from it, I want you to know today that there's hope for you. Some of you listen, it means that you need to respond to the gospel of Christ today, this good news. For others of you, you are already in Christ, but you need to be reminded there's something better coming. Right, I, I brought this spoon today to remind us of my grandmother's house. Um, when I grew up in my grandmother's house, we, we would go there on Sunday afternoons and have this meal. And, and, and the meal was beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, right? I mean, it just like went on and on and on. And like, but what you knew is, man, you always wanted to have your spoon ready. Because after dinner, Granny always had her chocolate sauce. And man, you wanted to have your spoon ready, the bowl ready, right? And so today, I want you to hear this text. And as a believer, I hope and pray it lands on you to say, man, that's a spoon. I want a spoon full of that. I'm longing for a better place, a new home. So today, I compel you, get your spoon ready. The best is yet to come. But the truth is, when we hear that word, good news, we have to realize that for there to be good news, there must imply that there's also other news that maybe is not so good. 
the other side of good news. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 today, and we're going to walk through some of Paul's text there. I just want to encourage you to join with us as we spend this time there of just looking through the Word of God and talking with Paul or hearing from Paul as he shares with us about good news. But we've got to start with the other side first of good news. Look where you would. Beginning verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received in which you stand. He's calling to their reminder the gospel. And the word gospel indicates good news. It's just literally saying to us, I want to remind you guys of the good news. And he's going to go on to tell that. And, and he lays out some very important texts. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 3 through 10 are some of the most important texts we have in all of Scripture. And I encourage you to spend some time reading and talking about that with your family or others. But to say that he wants to remind us of good news, again, must imply that there must be some bad news. I had a... I had a a time in my life where I remember a buddy, he was dating a girl and, and he thought things were going good, but somehow she didn't think things were going as good. And, and so instead of telling her him to his face that she wanted to break up, she told his buddy. And his buddy came to him and he, he says, listen, I, I, got, I got good news and I got bad news. Bad news is she wants to break up with you. Good news is she said the problem wasn't you, it's her. And he was like, I think both of those sound like bad news, right? I want you to know that when we come to the, the Bible, it's not convoluted like that. It's clear. There's bad news and there's good news. See, the Bible starts out with good news, that there's this God who is one God revealed in three distinct persons, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet they, in, in all of their glory, decide to create the earth, the heavens and the earth. And, and it's all created there in Genesis chapter 1. And, and then God creates people. It says, in fact, He makes them male and female. He creates them in His own image to worship Him and to enjoy Him forever. But, beloved, it only takes three chapters for sin to enter in. Sin is disobedience. They disobey God. And um, I don't know if you know it or not, but sin separates us from our God. And sin, the Bible tells us the payment for the sin, this bad news about what sin brings, is it brings death. And let's be honest, I mean, it brought death not only to them, but it began to pass on not only death, the consequences of sin is death, but it also brought on this sin nature. And, and, and if you likely know it for your own soul, but if you have children or others in your family, you realize that, guess what, you don't have to take them off like to a special summer like sin camp. They just come hardwired. Like that's just part of our DNA now. We are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. And the Bible says the consequences for our sin, our rebellion against God, is death and then separation from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when we hear Paul say, guys, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you, this good news, we need to first remind ourselves as we hear good news that it also implies that there is bad news. But let's ask now, we've heard a little bit about the reality of the bad news. Let's, let's just deal with it just for a moment. Why is the gospel good news? Maybe you're wondering that today. Like, why is this good news? Why are Christians so excited to be celebrating Good Friday, Christ's death on the cross, and now coming to Sunday morning and the resurrection? Like, what are Christians so excited about? Why is the gospel good news? So look at me if you would again, back here in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers... Of the gospel I preach to you. So again, he's talking about the gospel. 
which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So why is this gospel good news? So look, look again. He, he's speaking about the gospel. Okay, he talks about the gospel being the fact that it's the way in which we are being saved. In fact, we are compelled to stand in it. But what I want to draw your attention to specifically is, is the gospel is good news because look how it comes to us. Notice what he says here, which you received. He says later there, unless you believed in vain. Notice Paul does not say to us here when he talks about believing or receiving. He doesn't say in which you prayed a perfect enough prayer. In which you went to church enough times. In which you stopped doing the bad things perfectly enough that now God accepted you. I want you to see that the gospel is good news because it is by grace. It is something to be received. It cannot be earned. It is never about what you can do, but it's about what he has already done on the cross. It's the hope of the gospel. Look what Paul says. Paul shares some of his own testimony. He says, listen, I'm the least of all the apostles. And in fact, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But listen to what he says just a verse or so after that in verse 10 of this same chapter. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul continually three times here says, you want to know what my story is? It's grace, grace, marvelous grace of our loving God on Mount the Calvary there outpoured for me. Paul says, listen, I want you to know it's not something I have done. It's by the grace of God, this gracious free gift. Paul says, I've not earned it. You've not earned it, right? None of us have earned or deserved this gift. Some of you, listen, you're growing weary because you're trying to perform well enough to be good enough that somehow God will accept you on that day. I want you to know, listen, beloved, it is always by the grace and mercy of God that you and I will be saved. That's why it's good news. It's, it's His perfect life. It's His substitution in your place. This is the grace and mercy of God. Now listen, that's not only for those who aren't believers. Some of us today as believers, we never ever come to rest. And what Christ has done, we're always trying to feel like we need to do something else that somehow God will accept us. Like, like, like we want to feel like God, like we don't want you to be disappointed that you picked me for your team. And listen, I understand some of that heart mentality. Listen, I want to live with tenacity for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm with you. But some of you as believers, listen, you're not able to rest because you always feel like you must do something more, 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 and more. Beloved. by grace that you were saved it's by grace that you're saved now and it's by grace that you will be saved for all eternity maybe this story it's not a perfect one but but maybe it'll help maybe just settle a little bit of that with you um this past last summer uh my oldest boy was playing baseball and our team had been down and and we were finally coming back we had lost several games i love you charlie he was our coach Coach of the year, man. Comeback coach of the year. But listen, we, we, we were finally getting a chance to maybe win a game. The boys were, man, they were pumped. And dude, I got a little nervous there because we were like one or two outs and we're down a run or so there coming to the last inning. And my son comes to bat. And I'm just, right, I'm probably with some of you like, please, Lord. 
Lord. Right, I know. I know. You'd say, I never prayed those prayers. I bet you have. Again, but nonetheless, right, I'm praying, God, like, please, right? But no, listen, and so he comes up, man, and he's got a guy on second, third, and and pow, drives a smashing line drive over the shortstop, clears the bases. We go on to win the game, and I'll never forget that night. We walk in the garage, and he sits down, and he's taking his cleats off, and he asks me this question. Dad, are you proud of me? I said, yeah, buddy, I'm proud of you. But I wouldn't be any more proud of you if you had struck out and lost the game tonight. I want you to know, buddy, that dad loves you because you are my son. It is not about how well you will ever perform on the baseball field, the classroom, or on the job, or whatever of life. I love you because God has given you to me, and he lives inside of me. I'm proud of you because you're my son. Now listen, that's not a perfect example, but beloved, I want you to know, I want you to rest today. This grace is, it's real. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And it wasn't when you cleaned up your life enough. Romans 5 and 8 says, God demonstrates his love for you and I in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in the midst of our sin and shame. This, guys, is amazing grace. The gospel is good news because it's by grace. But some of you here, you're wondering, well, how do we know the gospel's good news? Like, it sounds good. Like, I like what you're saying. But, like, can we really know that this is actually good news? If you would, maybe, let's just look for a moment to test this out and to ask. Because I think Paul's dealing with some of that here. Look what he says. Verse 14. Just a little fast forward in the text a little bit. And if Christ has not been raised. So, again, he's dealing with the resurrection of Christ, right? Christ's resurrection here. Then, listen to what he says here, then something's true. So if this has not happened, if there's no resurrection of Christ, look what he says. Then our preaching is in vain. And notice what he says about your faith. It's what? In vain. Further, look what he says in verse 17. Again, he talks here about Christ and his resurrection. And again, he says this statement. If, if Christ has not been raised, then we assume this. Then, again, look what he says, your faith is futile and you are still in presently what your sins this is why the resurrection matters the resurrection guarantees to us that god is satisfied with the payment of christ on the cross for our sins i mean the resurrection guarantees it. In fact, Romans 4 and 25, Paul is so bold to say he was raised for our justification. He was raised to declare that we are truly innocent. We have been declared not guilty in the presence of a holy and perfect God. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's so major. Paul says, listen, if Christ isn't raised, if the tomb is not empty this morning, Paul says, your faith is worthless. And you are still in your sins. In fact, he says further in verse 18 that if Christ hasn't been raised, then that grandmother that you love that was in Christ, if she died, he says, she's gone forever. That's how major Christ's resurrection is. It not only impacts us, beloved, it impacts those that we love who are in Christ who have already died. L listen, you may be here and you're just 
struggling with some of this. Well, guess what? Jesus' disciples struggle with it too. And, and we hear it in Luke chapter 24, right? Jesus is crucified on the cross Friday. They bury him on Friday evening. He's still in the tomb on Saturday. By the power of God, he's raised again on Sunday morning. But the word hasn't spread to everyone. Everyone's not convinced it's true. Somehow Luke 24 records for us that Jesus comes up and begins to walk beside these, these two men on the road to Emmaus. But it says they're kept from recognizing. We don't know how. And they began to talk with him. He kind of, Jesus kind of plays dumb, so to speak. He's like, what, what things have happened, right? And they began to tell him what, what, what's taken place in Jerusalem, how he's been crucified. And look at what they said here. Luke 24, verse 21. But we, look what it says here, had hoped. What did they hope? That, specifically. Here's their hope. That he was the one to bring redemption to Israel. Notice the tense there. Had hoped. With the crucifixion, their hopes are done. They had hoped it. Their hope ends with the crucifixion. It's over. You see, if there's no resurrection, there's no redemption. We're still in our sins. There's no promise to us. If there's no resurrection, we have no assurance that God actually would accept us. That He actually... Why? Because we don't know if He accepted Christ. But the resurrection declares to us that God has accepted the payment for sin. The one sure way to know that the gospel is good news is the resurrection. It guarantees, it proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God has accepted that payment for sin. In fact, listen, this is so major. The writer of Hebrews says that, listen, Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. That He's there at the Father's right hand. And I mean, Can you imagine me and you, right? I mean, Satan's there to accuse us. We see it in some of the Old Testament, these examples. And he points out things from your past and my past, things that maybe you've done this morning or wicked thoughts you've had or, man, false motives and just all kinds of things. And guess what? He's right. We're guilty. But, beloved, there is the slain lamb that is now risen, stands there and says, Father, I paid for like sin on the cross. And God is a faithful God. He's not a God of double jeopardy, beloved. He is satisfied once and for all with the forever perfect payment of Jesus Christ. There's no longer any sacrifice for sins. Away with the bulls and the goats. Away with our petty offerings. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that will save you today. Hallelujah for the resurrection. That's why if you're with us, sometimes we sing a song that sings. We sing these words. While in heaven He stands. No tongue can bid me thence, what? Depart. While Christ is there in heaven, there is no one who can bid us depart from Him. You must stand today, listen beloved, you must stand at the empty tomb rejoicing that Christ has been raised because God has satisfied His wrath towards sin. Today, would you come and be saved from the awful, terrifying judgment and wrath of Almighty God? Hebrews 9 and 27 says that you are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. But there is rescue from that judgment. His name is Jesus. His death and resurrection declare that He is the one that can satisfy God's wrath towards you. Come today. Flee the wrath that is to come. Save yourself by clinging to Christ alone. Maybe you're asking, is this just good news for now? Like, where does this lead? Like, that, that, that's good, theoretical, and I'm excited about that, but like, where does this lead? Where is this headed? And so let's see just for a moment why Christ's resurrection is eternally good news. 
why his resurrection is eternally good news. This is what Paul says, verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15. But someone's going to ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And now Paul begins to use this imagery of, like imagine he says that we, we put a seed in the ground and what comes forth isn't look anything like the seed, right? I mean, you, you don't throw the corn there necessarily, right? You're, you're planting the seed, right? You don't throw the, the whole tomato in there, right? The seeds come forth. It doesn't look maybe anything like the seed. He says, listen, I want you to know that's the way with our bodies, what it looks like now. Listen, we can't even begin to imagine what it's going to be like. And so Paul begins to share with us, what's our bodies going to look like? What is, it, what is this going to happen when we experience the resurrection? Look at me, you would. Fast forward just for a moment. Verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, notice what he says here, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. He says what is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. Let's just deal with those just for a few moments here. I mean, think about that. What is sown perishable, again, that statement there, is raised imperishable. Our bodies right now are subject to aging, to disease, to sickness, and ultimately right to death. But that body that's going to be raised in, Paul says, listen, it will never perish. It is an imperishable body that you and I will receive. Listen, you're going to be raised perfectly if you're in Christ. You, you won't grow old. You won't get sick. You won't have to fear COVID-19. There'll be no more cancer diagnosis. There'll be no more dementia or autism or allergies. Right? I mean, say goodbye to many of you who grab that big handful of pain meds day after day and this pill for that and this and that there'll be no more of that praise the lord no more aching back no more trembling hands no more failing eyes no more handicaps and disabilities i got a buddy that his little boy is sick man we're praying for healing but listen i read this and i pray god let your kingdom come that's the ultimate rescue this Listen, beloved, this is the hope of a kingdom that we are all longing for in the midst of this. But it's not the kingdom of this world. It's the kingdom of our beloved Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in Revelation 21 we get this glimpse of the new heaven coming down to us. And, and John writes and he says, verse 4 there, speaking of this place, he says, there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Four. The old order, this world, has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. It is the hope of a perishable body that's raised imperishable. Notice he says further there, it, it's sown there in verse 43. It's sown in dishonor, but it's going to be raised in glory. It's sown here in this weakness, but it's raised in power. Now, again, Paul is speaking in the context of our physical bodies. And, and we might know that we've all done some dishonorable things with our bodies. Right? We, we, we've got things that we're ashamed of, things that we wish we hadn't have done. But he says, I want you to know it's going to be raised in glory. And let's be honest, we, we've all got weaknesses. We've all got some things about our bodies that we don't like. Right? I mean, some of you feel like maybe you, just, you hate the way you look when you see yourself in the mirror. You see that blemish or you see your body type. Right? I mean, you just constantly just 
beat yourself up by how you don't measure up to other people you see and you just feel like if you looked a certain way you're like you just really struggle with a lot of these things i want to let you know there's a place that you can land your identity and it's not in the mirror it's on the cross and it's Jesus Christ saying, you are worth it. I love you this much. This is how beautiful you are to me. This is your true identity, beloved. Listen, because the resurrection is coming, you and I, those things that now hold us back, beloved, for all eternity will not. Hallelujah today. You ought to praise the risen Lamb in your living room right now because of what He is bringing for us. This is just good news, guys, that God has done for us. Listen, we were in the midst of, of COVID-19 and we're wandering does God see? Does God care? Does He even know? Beloved, I want you to know that He has sent a remedy, and it's greater than the remedy for the coronavirus. He has sent a remedy for death, disease, sin, and decay, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ, and it provides perfect immunity. It provides immunity from the greatest thing you need immunity from, and that is the judgment of God. That's why this gospel is good news. There's nothing you could do to earn or deserve. That is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Today, would you believe? Would you trust in Him? Would you hold fast to Him? So maybe some of you here today, you're asking, well, well so what? Right? Like, this is great news, but like, where do we go from here? Listen to Paul as he closes out his chapter, beginning in verse 54, 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then we hear, oh, death, where is your victory? We sang it earlier. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Paul says the enemy, our enemy of death is now defeated, not in of ourselves, but in Christ, our substitute. It's salvation by substitution. He has faced death for you. He has faced Almighty God for you. He has done it all for you. And He is the risen Lamb today saying, Behold, I was dead, but I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death in Hades. Listen, beloved, there's nothing to fear when you are in Christ Jesus. He is your rock. He's your steady anchor. But we recognize that that is then and this is now. So what between now and then? Let's try to answer that as we close. You see, beloved, I think that this resurrected life brings us to a place of a resurrected work. The resurrected life that we've experienced in Christ now brings us to a resurrected work. Why? Because I think that's exactly what Paul says. Listen to how he closes out the final two verses of 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, who sought me and bought me by His redeeming blood. Listen to what he says here. Therefore... So again, in response to the victory of Jesus, again, that's what he's dealing with, the victory of Jesus over death, over the grave, right, over sin, all of that. Therefore, listen to Paul's response as we close out here. Let him bring this to you, this resurrected work. Therefore, my beloved brothers, look what he says here, be, he's going to name some things we should be, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in something. Look what he says here, he calls us to, in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that, we must know this, that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see, a resurrected life calls for a resurrected work. 
Paul expects that because we are forgiven and redeemed people, that we now are going to be compelled to be worshipers, to surrender our lives, to lay our lives down. Listen, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, my precious brothers and sisters in Christ, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There's a call for the work of the Lord that you and I are called to be a part of. Listen, those who have experienced the resurrection power of Christ now have a resurrected work. There's just joy in knowing that we've been redeemed. So maybe just a couple things in closing. One, as individual believers and as a church body, guys, this must compel us to share the gospel. We have the remedy for the greatest sickness the world has or will ever know. And it is the sickness of sin and death and judgment forever in hell. There is hope. There is rescue. And listen, it's not in how perfect you and I can share it. I, I, I may fumble my way through this. I may fumble my way through the sharing the gospel online or at the gas station or wherever I may be. The power rests in Christ alone. Don't you be ashamed. Don't you be afraid. You go forward. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Abound in the world work of the Lord, beloved. Listen, we must go forth. We must share. Some of you, though, you've given up. Maybe it's on a family member. Maybe today's text, in light of Christ's victory over the grave, you just need to remind yourself, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Some of you, listen, you you at one point were maybe sharing the gospel with co-workers and now either you're not there or maybe, maybe you just kind of found yourself in the midst of work just kind of finding yourself talking about the same things they were talking about, watching the same videos, talking about other people, taking advantage when the boss was not away. I want to compel you. Let's be different. Let's return back being steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. To live as different people. Why? Because you want them to know about the Savior that you know. As a church, listen, beloved, we've got to find ways to take the gospel to this community. You say, well, great, Blake, once this gets over, we'll do it. How many people are going to die before this is over? They may not have the opportunity to hear afterwards. So listen, I don't know what it's going to look like in the midst of social distancing. I don't know how God's going to lead you to do it safely. But I want to compel you, beloved, don't sit by and wait. Well, once this is over, then. No, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. You need to maybe begin writing letters of your testimony and, and send it to family members or friends. Maybe you need to call and reach out to a, a neighbor or a coworker. Just begin sharing the hope of the gospel. Be steadfast. Be unmovable because you've been redeemed. Listen to our healthcare workers and those who are on the front lines. I want to compel you to minister and minister that healthcare to the best of your ability. But many of you have shared that you, those folks that you're caring for, they have a greater need. It's something beyond that treatment, beyond rescue from COVID-19. They have need of rescue from sin and death and separation from God. I want to compel you as you're on the front lines. We, want, we need to be praying for you more. But I want to compel you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I know of doctors, nurses, who specifically ask questions to people about their eternity. 
I know there's folks in this congregation, doctors and nurses in this congregation, who are not ashamed to share the gospel and to talk with people, to pray with people in their offices. I want to compel you in the midst of this season, be steadfast. Be strong, not in your own strength, but in the Lord and God Almighty. Let Him use you in this great season as you care for those who are so so afraid and terrified by so many things. Beloved, listen, there is hope because of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, declares to us that the gospel is indeed good news. Today, would you repent and believe that you might be saved? It's the gospel. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ we come, praying that you would use my feeble words by the power of the gospel through the Spirit of God Almighty to bring rescue and redemption, strengthen our people to serve and to serve well, to love and to love well, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Strengthen them today. Let this text today, let Christ the resurrected King, let it give them hope this hour to press on, to be steadfast. I pray they'll be unmovable. I pray, Lord, they'll abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor in the Lord is not in vain. We pray now, come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.